What's up everybody? It's Matt from Rocky's War Room and today we have another episode for you of Antares Adventures. This time it's number six guys. Can you believe it? It's already six. We've done six of these silly things. <laughs> uh, and then tonight is all about Algren and uh, tonight we have with us, or this morning I should say, we have Tim Bancroft to score, of course. Hello! <clears throat> uh, Mr. Tabletop War Games. Our warlord, sorry, Sergey and Kevin. <laughs> You've ruined our brand. About our it. brand is destroyed it. now. <laughs> Tabletop warlord, Sergey and Kevin. Good lord. And of course, not Jay. Why am I here? <laughs> You're filling in a checkbox. That's right. <laughs> FNG. That that's the checkbox. FNG. <laughs> Awesome. And tonight's all about, or tonight, I keep saying tonight, but it's this morning, is all about Algren, uh, the, one of the first uh, factions that I ever played next to Concord, um, obviously because of Strike on Car 9, which is a great set. We'll talk about that. Um, I know Sergey and Kevin here have had extensive work with so the uh, Strike on Car <laughs> yeah. 9 box set. We're, we're knee deep in it, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. <clears throat> and... <laughs> I've had three different paint schemes I've tried on test models, and I still cannot decide what color I'm going to paint them. And I'll probably just end up with some sort of red scheme. But anyway, uh, nice hair, Sergey, Jason says. Uh, yeah, yeah. So my, my COVID yeah. hair had become uh, somewhat voluminous. Uh, the sides were like out past my headphones, and I was like, it's, I can't handle it anymore. <laughs> yeah, I'm starting to look like Robinson Crusoe. Yeah. <laughs> I think we have to say that you've you're nowhere near Kevin's sartorial elegance when it comes to <laughs> chin and upper lip. <laughs> I know that's 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 true. That's true. I, I'm I'm cursed with a with my Irish heritage. It just it just <laughs> it's good. It's it's a slow growing. <laughs> well, that's something you'll have to work on, isn't it? <laughs> Squeeze yeah. really hard, Sergey. Give, give me three years, and I'll have a small mustache. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of these days you guys will have to show up and Sergey you have to dye your hair brown and uh, put a fake mustachio on or let's you can grow one and you just beat, you just beat each other yeah you, we'll you do it for Halloween you thin, so you're like my height not like staying <laughs> yeah we'll get you some platform shoes <laughs> nice some stilettos yeah you know. <laughs> Anyway, tonight's not about that. <laughs> Thank God. It's not about hair care. <laughs> Tonight is about the Algren Prosperate. I believe I said that right. Prosperate. Yeah. Yep. The best Algren. As always, I'm going to give the floor to Tim. Give us a brief description of who the Algren are, and then uh, we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit. Okay. Well, the Algren themselves are a particular pan-human morph who basically came to be because of the incredibly dense and horrific radiation on Al Gore. So they developed sort of like keratin, uh, a layer of keratin on their heads to protect them from uh, the radiation in the sun. And, uh, but generally, they are very hardy folk as a result anyway. So they're, they can resist radiation. They're quite on the tabletop in terms of stats. They've got a better res than a lot of other creatures, humanoids apart from the Boromites. And um, they're, they're pretty tough overall. The main 
presence in Antares, though, is in the area of Antares called the Determinate, uh, where they have 12, it used to be 13, but now it's just 12 worlds. Uh, Zyra, right? Yeah. Yes, let's, let's not mention Zyra. They get upset <laughs> about that. Um, and um, those are the core Algren worlds scattered around the northern bit of the Determinate. But they're actually, they are the main military arm and main coordination and organizational arm for something called the Algorin Prosperate, which is a, I don't know, federation of around 300 main worlds plus their subordinate worlds. So there's actually more than 300 worlds overall. But uh, there's only 300 main worlds, uh, approximately. And they supervise and protect trade between all those worlds and they act they provide the principal military arm of the prosperate in terms of defending the prosperate from outside harm such as the gar which is a bit of a problem because recently the gar uh, have appeared on the southern end of the prosperate and the gar have just become rampaging through human space and burning up and destroying worlds, and the Algrin are, fi are finding that they are having to fight them off, uh, which takes up a lot of effort on their part. And the Algrin find that, the, frankly, the Gar are something they wish on somebody else. But the Gar just <laughs> don't care, and they just keep going. They're humans. So there you go. Uh, on the tabletop, though, the Algorin are probably one of the most potent. They're a wargamer's army, you could say. They are very flexible. They don't necessarily have strengths, except in the fact that they don't have any weakness at all. Um, they've got some really nice surprises here, there, and everywhere. Uh, one of those is my little image that I've got there, which is a, an Algorin uh, skimmer, comet skinner. But they... Their basic, once you master them, their basic squad, the uh, Algorin Infantry Squad, is one of the most flexible and adaptable in Antares. In the starter mm -hmm. set of Kara 9, you have three of those to two of the Concord ones. And if you're a starter, if you're just starting Antares, that's probably about right. But once you get the hang of an AI squad mm -hmm. and you've equipped it and set it upright and you pay for the right equipment, an AI squad is easily a match for a, a Concord uh, strike squad. So they're um, they're really quite flexible. But, but I said it's their adaptability, that lack of weakness, that ability to adapt to any situation they come across that makes them a real wargamer's army. <laughs> I.e. If you're, if you're a good gamer and you like flexible forces and all the rest of it, then the Algren are probably, I would imagine, the army for you, I'd guess. Does that make sense, Sergey? I can see you yeah, nodding. Absolutely, Kay. yeah. I, uh, I'm a firm believer that the AI squad is the best four pounds for four points uh, infantry unit in the game. Uh, at 95 points, you can get two micro X launchers, which it, which or is it? It might be 97. But either way, it's under 100 points, which means that in a 500 point army, you can have five squads, whereas most armies can only have four. Uh, of equivalent power yeah and they just have so much firepower even if you like ignore slingnet ammo as like a as a doodad they just put out 
shots like crazy. They can take down guard battle suits better than other armies, in my opinion, just due to volume of fire. And it's really hard to miss guard battle suits with a uh, with uh, the space yeah. pineapple. So uh, it's a uh, it's it. They're just really good. They're really really a strong, interesting, and fun to play army. Yeah, absolutely. But and they've also got some. What's well, it? Do have some other specialist squads which can be brought in. Hazard mm-hmm. um, suits. The hazard suits are amongst the toughest mm-hmm. pure infantry in the game outside of the guard themselves. Uh, they're almost certainly developed to combat gar. Um, you've also got the AI assault squads, who are one of the most fearsome hand-to-hand squads in the game. They have got some absolutely. St- stupid capabilities um <laughs> yeah. i don't know it sounds 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 a bit much but they 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 can either up their armor uh when they're in hand-to-hand or they can use two shots at stroke value two per turn in hand-to-hand yeah and those compound correct like a grenade does yeah like a grenade so if you end up with multiple hits on the same model it becomes rather than two at two, it becomes one at four, and that's very difficult to resist. Or and, yeah. <laughs> yeah, really difficult to exist to, to resist. But the hazard suits themselves have got that plus plasma carbines, plus a, a, a terrible um, by terrible, I mean really dangerous uh, res stat, uh, and they're really difficult to take out. Uh, they all of this lot, all the different tools though, take a bit of getting used to because they've also got some pretty good skimmers um but they've also got that skimmer which i've shown you on the front there which is the avenger skimmer which can come with a variety of different loadouts is relatively cheap is mod two so it gets two dice a turn so you're sitting there trying to get that trying to sort out the rest of the armor and then along comes this Heavy, sort of like it. It's it's a pretty heftily armored, I suppose, anti tank. Uh, yeah. What's the best best thing? Anti tank or anti personnel? Um, I don't know what to call it really. It's 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 more <laughs> like an armored car, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. trades. I uh, love skimmers too. The light skimmers are one of my favorite units in the game. And <laughs> yeah, two, and I'm trying to repurpose. One of my buddies who's not played the game in a year and a half. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, COVID. Uh, so there we go. So, they, so they've got a really good selection of support options. They have got, um, of which their mag cannon uh, is probably the, the most famous and the most useful. Yeah. They can get X launchers like any other uh, squad, and they can get some of the probes which some of the other people can get. And most importantly, which we should mention is the auxiliary option. You've got the AI medic team, which is one of the <laughs> most useful units mm-hmm. in the whole game. I can see you guys nodding there. Yeah. And, and, and if <laughs> you can see me, you can see my... Yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I always try and take the medic team because great is you can give it a medic probe as well. Yeah. That adds mm-hmm. capability, but it... It gives a saving throw to everybody within five inches of it. The Mediprobe can give another saving throw to everybody within five inches. And then what's more, these guys are armed. Mm -hmm. They are the toughest medics you will ever come across. (laughs) (laughs) The Geneva Convention. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. We've we've got the medic side on us. Bang. I know exactly. (laughs) 
Well, I think it makes sense that they do have a medic team just based on, you know, the lore and what I've read is they don't really trust machines in the Intel as much as the yeah. cops do. None. So having manned, you know, vehicles and things like that, rather than having the C3, you know, uh, Concord drones, they, they kind of fight it. They kind of resist it. So that makes sense that they would have a medic team. And I think that's a lot of flavor there too with the oh, yeah. uh, storyline and that's stuff. A, that's a really so, that's a really important point you make there, actually. So whilst they have got a nanosphere technology and they their weapons can be powered up and communications is all provided by the nanosphere, by the nanosphere what they do not do is trust drones and artificial intelligence, uh, which means they do not have an intel. Uh, so there's no integrated machine technology like the C3 and the rest. So they're still fairly advanced, technologically speaking, but they just do not have the, um, I don't trust know. Trust in the machine. Trust in the machine, yes. They do not <laughs> trust the machine in any shape, way, or form. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, so it sounds like the Algren are the favoured um race or faction for the game it's like they're the ones that are always going to be the lead faction with anything kind of like with uh the other companies um void infantry <laughs> they lead everything <laughs> yeah it's 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 yeah. You know, they, 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 it sounds like that when any, any time a, hey, this would be a great idea to do, they're going to get the good stuff. Um, they, they come out with a new rule that, you know, breaks everything else. Algren, get it. Um, <laughs> hey, look at this really cool model. Hey, I think that would be great if we, the Algren had it. <laughs> and then every, every, all the other factions are then catching up so to speak it, it just sounds um, because i wouldn't say so yeah i don't I, think i don't think that's quite uh, i understand where you're going it's not quite the case it's it's just that um they are such a flexible militaristic force they're the only purely militaristic force in antares apart from the gar yeah they have an answer for everything that's yeah, what they do <laughs> that they have, they're like the utility belt of armies because not only do they have base infantry that is very focused on doing ranged combat well in the form of overhead fire from their launchers, mm -hmm. special munitions, a variety of weapons that you can equip with each squad leader, but then they also have infantry specific to infiltration, infantry mm -hmm. specific to melee combat, special yeah you know, forces that are, are geared towards specific roles in combat. They have a plethora of weapons teams. <laughs> Whereas some of the faction have some of the kit, Algren has most of the kit. So yeah. Yeah. you can bring everything though too. So the, so it, like Tim said, it's a war gamer's dream because if you're like me and Sergey with notebook after notebook of armies that we've built, they, they're, it's kind of challenging, actually, because you have so many options with the algorithm that you can either 
create like a surgical strike force that has a specific mission or style that you want to accomplish, or you can kind of bring a little bit of everything so that no matter what faction you're up against, you'll, you'll probably have an answer to. So mm-hmm. they just, they'd have the, I don't know, like, like, like Tim said, they're the most militaristic. So they, they bring everything to the table if they yeah. could. <laughs> they're easy to build a, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, they're easy to build like a catch all list with like they, yeah. You don't have to worry, uh, you know, like with Concord, sometimes you have to worry about, oh, I have to I have to know how to counter Gar and I have to know how to counter infantry. Algorin kind of counter Gar and infantry like in, in one fell swoop. But they also don't have like the specialization of other armies. Like they're, they're going to lose to Boromite in close combat most of the time. They're probably even going to lose to Gar in close combat most Ooh. of the time. <laughs> but... Uh, then again, they might also lose in an all-out shooting match with Concord or Isaurian. So they, uh, they're they kind of a jack-of-all-trades, and if you build them right, they can master pretty much anything, but they can't master everything in one mm-hmm. army. Yeah, um, but in having said that, though, they won't necessarily have the weakness that the other, the other, the other mm-hmm. forces yeah. have. So as you pointed about quite rightly, about they're probably losing a shooting match against Concord. But the answer to that from Algren's viewpoint is just get stuck in then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That works every time in our games. So I'm like, I'll be like the Concord from like over here. And I'm like, oh, look at them over there. Fire. And then Sergey's just like, I'm going to get this close to you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, it, and it works. And, yeah. And yeah. they kind of generally speaking to like, as far as their tech level, they have basically like the same technology when it comes to support their vehicles are very equivalent to the Intel societies. Mm -hmm. But the cool thing about the Algorand is that their units are cheaper because they rely on the more, I'd say reliable entire tech, which is like mag weapons, armor, since they have that like natural keratin layer that gives them more toughness they don't really see a negative to the reflex armor. Concord are great because they have hyperlite armor, which is beautiful, and it gives you plus two res, mm-hmm. but less effective when you get closer. Mm-hmm. So the Algorin player knows that, and they're like, oh, I can't help but notice your hyperlite armor has become less effective now that I'm five feet away from you, and my natural toughness seems not to have been deterred whatsoever at all. <laughs> so, they rely on reliability. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And it's their, to me, their mag weapons are their most potent, their mag support weapons are the most potent uh, weapon. Yes, the squads are fantastic. And I have got, I have to admit to having loads of just plain AI squads because mm-hmm. they're just so flexible. So um, I've got a mob, sure, I've got a mob of hazard suits, hasn't everybody who's got them. And I've got a few assaults, but frankly, it's, the mag support weapons, whether it's from X Howitzer, mm-hmm. Mag Cannon, mag uh, or the <laughs> yeah, the mag repeaters on the um, on the oh, not the interceptors, the um, ah, 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 the sneaky, sneaky little uh, uh, oh, infiltrators, infiltrators. infiltrators. Yeah. yeah, thank <laughs> you, the infiltrators, and all the rest of it. So the mag weapons are really potent, coupled with exactly as you said, coupled with that really good natural armor they've got mm-hmm. um, so they become a, a really really tough and opponent. with the vehicles the mag weapons are really cool because like their tank 
and their transport is basically the same thing as the Intel societies, but they have the option of, instead of using plasma weaponry, to use mag, mag light supports, mag twin light uh, supports, and mag cannons, which oh. actually brings them down in cost. And mag heavy supports as well, if they um, if you get that on something as well. Mm -hmm. Five shots for SV3, and whilst it needs a fire order <laughs> to go, you're still sitting there saying, okay, we'll take the first shot, and the second, and the third, and the fourth, <laughs> and the fifth. <laughs> but which time the, the, the tank who's the target of this is thinking, go away! Yeah. <laughs> quantity yeah. over quantity. <laughs> um, <laughs> they also uh, share uh, the freeborn space of being uh, one of the more effective armies at extreme range. Uh, mm -hmm. whereas Concord and Isaurian are, are just a, a fury of plasma when you get to mid-range, uh, yeah. Isaurian, no, sorry, uh, uh, Freeborn and Algorin, uh, have a lot of micro-X launchers, mm -hmm. which means that they fight best either when they're stuck in with their assault troops or when they're at absolute extreme range. So mm -hmm. if you can prevent people from getting to that middle range with them, you're going to be sitting pretty for the whole game. And if you want to play a sit-back-and-shoot army, they function very well in that role. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's getting the ranges right, though, isn't it? And that's, and that's right. the... Um, uh, <coughs> and that's the trick. So, yes, a very capable army and a skilled wargamer can mix. So there's Matt from uh, Southampton. Hello, Matt, if you're listening. Um, and he is really good at having a mixed Concord armor. So he has a, a number of AI squads. He's got one or two assault squads and he'll have a hazard squad with him as well as an Avenger. And then the rest is exactly as you said, Sergey. It's the long range stuff, whether it's mm -hmm. an X-House or, or a Mortar or a uh, or a um, Mag Cannon or whatever. It's a real mixed bag, but if you want to play, let's stand back and shoot. He's quite happy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and they have access to spotter drones as an auxiliary choice, which is really only, I think it's only Concord, Isaurian, and then the Algorin, which... Boromites get them too. Do Boromites get them too? Okay. Well, and anybody who has access to that, it, it increases the effectiveness of your overhead fire so very much because you can yeah. patch sight for line of sight from an individual unit or weapons team or vehicle or not, I guess, yeah, yeah, vehicle, uh, spotter drone to another within 20 inches, which is just yeah. mm -hmm. makes them even more insane. Cause like Sergey said, you can really post up at that long or extreme range. Really, if you'd like to, you're doing fire orders, you're going to hit and I mean, it just, it can be devastating. Yeah. It's the combination of stuff that's, uh, that works well. And what you and that's really what what you have to master with Algorin. But if you are a experienced war gamer and you're used to adapting this sort of stuff, it's they're perfect for it. Which is interesting because it's it reminds me of Seleucid armies in the old war games research game rules. If you used to have lots of war gamers, war gamers having Seleucid armies because they had a little bit of everything. But you then had newcomers coming in and trying a little bit of everything and not quite managing to make everything work together because it's quite a challenge. Uh, and what's probably interesting is that they are so militaristic. They are in some ways much like the the Romans on which Rick originally modelled them, I suppose, because they originally modelled <laughs> thought of the thought of the Romans as sort of like 
just pre-imperial. Uh, he thought of the Algren as pre-imperial Romans, mm. in many ways, and that's where this interesting social structure comes from as well. Because <laughs> one of the things we have to talk about when you talk yes. about Algren is their social structure, which is they're a very caste-ridden society. Mm -hmm. So they have got four or five castes, depending on whether or not you want to class one of them as a caste or not. Um, and right at the top, you, um, you, you have got the um, oh, mental block. <laughs> I got, I'm looking it up right now. Oh, the one one one. But basically, they have got vector optimum. formation, optimate. Thank you very much. That's the sort of like the senator. You could say the sort of like senatorial class, almost, uh, or a little bit of that with the um, equites, the the knightly class of Rome. Then below that, you have got the vector, who are effectively it's a military caste. Everybody there is expected to do do or have military service somewhere in their background, mm -hmm. and it's that vector class in which the majority of the AI uh, Algrin infantry force or the, the Algrin force itself is drawn. Beneath those, you've got the founder class, who is the, uh, the general work. They do all the administration. They will do even the prosperous administration as well. So and it's really their work on which the prosperous based. And then below them, you've got servile leisure who do bits and bobs and this, that and the other. Uh, Beneath them, however, is a sort of, I don't know, it's, it's not really a caste at all. It's effectively a caste of outcasts, which sounds a little bit uh, conflicting, but they are the people <laughs> who everybody else just looks down on and just says, who are you? Uh, <laughs> we don't count, um, which is quite interesting. I imagine that... that um... Is that where like a lot of like Algorand privateers would come from? Would be that that outcast cast? The base level is the base leisure. Yeah, the, these casts are called leisures, and the base leisure. Yeah, they would be they would be basically outcast vector uh, privateers. Algorand privateers could be from any of those leisures, but I can see a lot of base leisure people just really taking opportunity on piracy or. Uh, being privateers or as mercenaries or whatever, and just trading on the fact that Algorin, whether or not they've actually had any good military experience <laughs> or not. So within those castes, much like the Roman uh, system at the time, uh, there are basically families, uh, family groupings called mocks. Uh, they're based around a core family, but it's a very, very tight social structure where it's almost like an extended family or an extended clan i suppose is the easiest way to put it uh so you have loads of um loads of these mochs so you have famous optimate mochs being janar as in Taurus janar uh, rak as marak you have the durel and the corey uh mochs and these effectively act as funnels so you then have uh mochs within say the lower level leisures so allying themselves with each of these, some of these upper level uh, mochs, and then that cascades down. So there's this whole influence thing overlaid vertically 
along this horizontal leisure or caste system. It's a fascinating and crazy society, and it's a really rich theme for mining stories if you want to. And that's why they've probably at the moment got one of the most interesting backgrounds in mm -hmm. that the Taras Janar, who was their effectively commander in chief, has been thrown out of the Algren High Council. Uh, and now Esmerach has taken over, and now she's tried to take over a little bit too much power. You know, think Imperial Rome, and yeah. now a lot of the other optimate mocks are now banding together, saying we don't like this. She's got too much power, and they're mm. now trying to bring Taras Janar back as a figurehead, and they're but not too strong a figurehead because they don't want him to be the emperor either. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you've got this really mixed, mixed cauldron of bubbling intrigue, uh, which is currently perhaps just on the edge of a civil war or something. Hint, hint. Hint. <laughs> and they all... Oh, sorry. That's okay. They all wear mustachios, is all I was going to say. I hope. <laughs> they pull off their masks and it's like, out to here. <laughs> but no, that's really cool. I had no idea that the faction's bluff was based on the Roman Empire. I absolutely have to repaint all of my algorithm now uh, and make auxiliary forces. Great. <laughs> It's not based on the empire. It's based on the whole senatorial system that came before ah, the okay. empire. Interesting. Before, so. See, I, I went very Japanese with my Algorand. Like I, uh, yeah. I gave I gave them all bits from uh, Test of Honor, right? Test of Honor, yeah, yeah. A couple of them have like katanas. This guy has got a katana. <laughs> well, now I'm just gonna have to get some pilums and <laughs> stuff like that, and add them to. Exactly. Yeah, no, I need to get like a gladius for my like. <laughs> <laughs> um. So something that me and Kevin talk about all the time, we never get tired of it, is how uh we think Algorin are like actually super badass compared to oh, yeah. other races, because the other races, and Kevin is the one who brought this up, so I'm totally stealing his his. Uh, topic, <laughs> subject, but uh, so the other races have implants and cybernetics and stuff like telling them like, oh, you're about to get punched, you should probably dodge. The yeah. algorithm are just like <laughs> bad They're dudes. They're just like they don't have any machine doing anything. They're just like, all right, super cyborg, I'm gonna punch them to death. I'm gonna continue to punch them to death until they're gone. And yeah. that that's what makes them so cool. They're like oh, yeah. they're they're just dudes who can fight robots. And not even be phased by it. <laughs> I think I think they themselves have their own level of like cybernetics and stuff because they have nanotechnology still, yeah. but yeah. they don't rely on it. Like mm -hmm. I think it's uh, some fluff from Zillow's. It's it's hilarious because it's like you have Algren soldiers in the jungle next to a squad of Concord soldiers in the jungle, and the Concord their suit, their nanosphere has adjusted their physiology so that they're comfortable. They don't even, they, like a Concord soldier stepping off of a troop transport would actually not even feel the effects of whatever environment they've been in because the Intel knows where they're being sent and has adjusted accordingly. And Algorand is just sitting there and you're like, is it hot? And he's like, of course it is. But <laughs> with their intels and all that like they and that's what's expected of them of their society and yeah it's just really cool because they're just mm -hmm. they're ultra warriors i mean it's so much so that they talk about algorithm society like even children can use weapons like reliably at like an early age 
<laughs> okay, what did what did you get him for his christening present? Look, it's a plasma. <laughs> it's <laughs> oh a carbine. <laughs> Silver-plated plasma carbine. Oh, thank you so much. You'll treasure that for the rest of his life. If somebody wants to get me a silver-plated plasma carbine for Christmas, go for it. I would love that. (laughs) (laughs) It's what he always wanted. (laughs) Sergey, you will shoot your eye out. No. (laughs) And then the cool thing I've always liked about the Algorand Prospera is that it does... Like, I mean, there's those core worlds, but it is quite a large empire. I mean, it has 300 worlds or something like that, you said, in in, in their entirety. And it's cool because we've seen a lot of conversions on the Intel because it does talk about how they do incorporate other races of, like, I think there's aliens in there too, um, and other pan-humans in their, their military force. So from like a modeling standpoint, you literally could make auxiliary forces if you wanted to and just use like counts as and make an ai squad of you know different different kinds of models which would be interesting Mm -hmm. and i think that's really cool about their army yeah um you can certainly do that and actually sort of like having founder even founder formations coming in Mm -hmm. saying here we 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 want to we want to go um let's see what we're doing here we go I've, i've got a sort of like a um I've got a couple of link of uh, things here, which I'll pull up as my avatar. Oh, I can't pull up as my um, avatar. You can share your screen, and I can share it with everybody. Uh, okay, I could do that. Let's let's do that then. Let's see what I can do. Hold on a minute. Don't share my screen yet, and I will. Oh, I'm not. <laughs> you let me know when you're ready, and I will do that. Yeah. So carry on talking amongst yourselves whilst I look at these wonderful things. <laughs> yeah. So, um, a quick question, and maybe this has been discussed previously, and I just didn't catch it. And by previously, I mean on previous shows. Um, is the universe of uh, Gates of Antares our universe in the far future? Yes. Okay. So, so yeah, it, 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 it so, is an extrapolation of many, 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 many thousands of years yeah. into the future where so if you draw a line back, you'll, you know, somebody will eventually draw their line back to Matt and his soulless child. <laughs> I can say that means you. No, yeah. So basically, Antaran time is at some point on the edge of our solar system. Humans discovered the first gate, which attaches them to the or led them rather to the Antaran net nexus, like network of gates. And yeah, the way they gauge time is it, it's it can be several hundred, several thousands of years, but the gate, for whatever reason, collapses. And what happens is, is that gates along the entire nexus just start to slowly disappear left and right, isolating every world from the entire nexus. And so basically, oh, my rabbits are throwing everything around. <laughs> what, rabbits? I got, I got some rabbits. Don't, I'm not going to lie. They're adorable. Is this it, for lunch? <laughs> right? No. They're, they're adorable. How dare you? No. Uh, so when the where's my house awesome pfeffer? 
<laughs> whole new <laughs> it's like a period of uh, dozens, maybe hundreds of years where you can't access that network anymore. And so they label those as ages. And we are currently in the seventh age mm-hmm. of entire space. So yeah, thousands and thousands and thousands of years in the future, but you could so, still trace everything back. Yeah, so, absolutely. That's, that's exactly right. So is there... Yes. Is the gate for the solar system current in in the game world right now? Is it currently closed to Earth? Uh, or could so. could, could the guard go stomping down and say, "Hey, look, let's get no. off the I ninety five to you know uh, exit forty seven <laughs> to go uh, stomp Three Earth." Three left past that really sweet Boromite taco stand, and you're gonna go. <laughs> They've lost. They've lost the gate to Earth, and it may well have been destroyed. It may well have just gone. Uh, it may well have just. Earth itself may now just be a smoking wreck, which is why Antares never again opens its way to it. So old Earth has been lost, just like uh, Borum has been lost. So people keep looking for it. We'll and whether or not they'll find it is, you know, it's an open question. It's just not being found now. And Earth has not mm-hmm. been, old Earth has not been found for many, um, for many, many uh, thousands of years. So, you know, way back in perhaps the second or third age, I think uh, it was believed destroyed. All right. And a good thing to note, too, though, for you, not Jay, is that not only is it, uh, you know, I guess, de- yeah, it'd be devastating for society because you're cut off from everything else. Um, but when the gate does, when the gates all do collapse, when they reopen, what what everybody finds is that all of the, the, cause the locations are like, good God, the locations are set on, on the entire surface, but they get shuffled and changed positions with every single time that they are re reopened. So earth's location could have just as easily been lost in the shuffle. So the, the gate for earth might not be the same gate. Well, it would be the same, uh, gate the same location. The okay. gates are always okay. the same, so you still get a gate okay. from Antares. So, yeah, so I'm still getting exit 37, but exit 37 might not be on I-95 anymore. No. It's now on the 215. <laughs> yeah, correct. Okay. Absolutely. And then yeah. triangle square squiggly mark. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's more like that exit is like on the autobahn now, and you're like yeah. just completely <laughs> lost in the middle of Germany. <laughs> Right. Okay. I, I'm just, and then the the nexus is kind of like a universe within a universe, and that's where everything is happening is in the nexus, or is the nexus the the thoroughfare to get from one place to another, and you're actually in real space, so to speak. You're actually in the nexus. Uh, okay. You, so you are in real space. Your travel is via the nexus. So the Nexus, you could say, is a motorway network with nothing else on it but motorways mm-hmm. uh, and signposts saying 
take the next left to Borum or take the next left okay. to Sergey's T-shirt, whatever is on it. I can't see what's on it, then. but the Miniac. It's <laughs> you, a YouTuber you then... that I really like. Ah, cool. <laughs> you then you then jump jump into that gate, and then it'll take take you out to the star okay. system at the mm -hmm. other end of that gate. Yeah. Okay, so um, the so... next is like your hyperlanes. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, yeah, it's it's a it's okay. the point around which you travel. Many more whites, for example, has just asked what happens if the gate closes whilst mm. in travel to a destination. And the actual answer is no one knows because they've never been able to talk to anybody to find out what happened when they were in the, ga the gate. The it closed. Rick Priestley's uh, root cellar. <laughs> <laughs> he pops uh, out Frick, Freesley's root cellar. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> well, quite likely, yeah. One of the big problems is, is that the gates, whilst they open in um along a timeline in the local universe, i.e., for, for example, in Earth, you'll find different gates opening at different times to the Nexus, perhaps a hundred years apart or a thousand years apart or whatever. What that means in terms of everybody else is absolutely nothing so everybody else could be open could be have a gate open into them have a gate open into their system at say you know zero ad and then it closes at 100 ad and the next gate could open at say a thousand ad and, and actually be open in the seventh age so they've missed out something like uh 27 000 years of Antarian life because they've skipped the second to the sixth ages. What happens so, in the gate stays in the gate. <laughs> <laughs> what happens in the gate stays in the gate, yeah. So yeah, so it's um so that's it, the gate closed. So effectively when you're in, in a gate and it closes, you might get ejected at the other end when you got there. You may get dropped out halfway along it in time and space and you've got no idea or you may just get destroyed but at the moment they've not found anybody to know about it <laughs> okay so and, and pardon my noobishness here that's no, fine it's great but um more noob um so again let, let's go we're, we're on earth Zero AD gate yeah. opens up, and we're oh, in, say, yeah, the second yeah. age of Antares time. Then the gate closes back down after at 100 AD. Yep. Let's say 2050. Yep. A new, the same gate opens or a different gate opens? Um, well, from Earth's perspective, it would be exactly the same gate because it would be located okay. in exactly the same place, about 40 okay. AU from the sun, and on a line between the sun and what we think of it as Antares, the star, which is actually this great machine which powers all this network. network. Uh, okay. So okay, so Antares is not really a, a red giant. It's this gargantuan mm -hmm. device that's, that, that's the engine yeah. running this show okay good yeah, so yeah. hall's question there he says and Antares is the machine engine that powers it all correct uh, there exactly, you go exactly what chris okay. has just said so there you go not jay all right so then 
it pops open again. And although 2,045 years has passed on Earth, in the Nexus, it could have been thousands of thousands of more years mm -hmm. or yeah. is it still the yeah. same timeline uh it could be even less it's okay it's okay uh, so, so there's some sort of time dilation or extension within the gate itself so yeah. if you were to take a ship say the dragon x and shoot through the <laughs> uh, go through the gate and we're just humming along, humming along. And Sergey says, man, I, I got to get something to eat. And we pop off of pop off on exit 42. We're back in real space in the same universe as earth. However, although it's only been say 15 years of our time in the Nexus, it could have been 4,700 years out in the real universe. Yeah, yeah. I was actually, whilst you're speaking, I was trying to look for another example. So I'm loading up a PowerPoint presentation here with um, Yay. examples. Oh, boy. Maybe. It's like work. Terrible. Let's PowerPoint these questions into oblivion. Yeah. Um, Many more months says, wow, so Bill and Ted can get stuck in a telephone booth for quite a while. Yes, they can. Yeah. Ooh, and real quick, I wanted to, I want to address, Jason Hall asked, are there Algorin mechs? Mercs. And Mercs. Exactly, Mercs. Oh, I can't read anymore. <laughs> Absolutely. There, there are lots of Algorin mechs. There should be Algorin mechs. So that would be awesome. You could totally model one and just count it as a tank, and it would be super dope. Yep. Yeah, what the great thing about a uh, resin printer is, he can do that. There <laughs> <laughs> we go. You could right. do, you, you could do that. Uh, <laughs> right, new slide. New slide. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I assume this is all still about Algren, Jason Hall it, says. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all for pain. Yeah. And Jason says, I'll make a Mac. Okay. So, yeah. uh, <laughs> and, 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 so getting back to the Algern, mm -hmm. they seem, they seem to be very, and I guess this makes sense. If they're based off of a Roman hierarchy. Yeah. They seem in very, they're an, uh, Analogous to the Romulans in Star Trek, where uh, everything I, is is you know is less with the, well, yeah <laughs> right right well I don't know Caesar. <laughs> um, <laughs> Thank you. Nice response, not Jay. <laughs> um, but what my point is with, with with bringing up the Romulans is. Their entire and and also the Klingons, their entire structure, their entire um, economic being, so to speak, is surrounded uh, and infused with the military. 
Yeah, is, yeah. At least that's what it sounds like. It's, it's, mm-hmm. the, the, yeah, the reason yeah. why the Algren exists is to um, conquer and maintain as much property as possible. And to do that, they have to just pour everything they've got into the military to be able to keep yeah. their um, stuff going. They took the total yeah, war so concept of like World War II and were just like, forever. Let's just keep going with that. It's a bit more subtle than that, um, <laughs> yeah. I, I find, because it's, it's very much a case that they don't actually remember. They've only got 12 planets out of the 300 that are actually in the Prosperate. Um, so they're not necessarily conquering everything. Mm-hmm. Whilst they're extending their influence by controlling or protecting the trade, which the other 300 core um, members of the Prosperate. Well, just what you guys are talking about, I ran across something while rereading about the Algren. And this paragraph, absolutely what you're talking about, Nache, and what we're talking about, describes it perfectly. Uh, in the main rule book, it's page 219 if you guys want to look it up. Uh, the other great advantage that the Algren have is that they are a military society with a strong warrior ethic that permeates the entire population. Men and women share in the burden of defense, and even Algren children are proficient with the basic weapons from early age. This contrasts strongly with both Concord and Isaurian societies, where they only a tiny purport, uh, appropriation of the po- population are ever taken into military service. So everybody fights in Algren. Everybody. Yep. Um, even Servile Ledger will have basic militia training, but they won't that be good at it. Founder Ledger will have some pretty good militia training and will have served actively for a few years in the defense organizations on whichever world they're actually based, whether it's an Algrim world, whether it's a prosperate world, prosperate member world. So, so they can actually be more considered uh, like uh, ancient Greece than ancient Rome when it comes to the military. It's almost like Sparta in some yeah. ways, except yeah, we're, we're yeah. every but every male child born, and they know, <laughs> right? But That's they know that they're they're going to be a warrior of some nature in some way or shape or form for some period of time before they go on to if they survive, go on to be something else because yeah, because. D- I'm assuming that the Algren don't go out and hire other life forms to build their stuff. It's all, you know, the Algren build their, their weapons. They build their machines. They, they, you know, they harvest their crops, you know, all within themselves. They don't go out and say, Hey, Boromites come here and mine our ore. They might. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That'd be, but, they have the the servile ledger, I believe, mm-hmm. does most yeah. of that. So, well, yeah. And there, there's a, a level within the rank system of okay, yeah. sorry guys, you're too short, too fat, too skinny, whatever. Mm-hmm. Go pick <laughs> corn. Well, and it's it's a trust issue too because the reason why their empire is not like gigantic and they're not necessarily like actively conquering a bunch of stuff is because they find themselves between a rock and a hard place. Like Tim said earlier, the Gar are like shown up on the Southern border, right? And they are actually hilariously underdeveloped as far as technology, but just super brutal in the way they, you know, come after everybody. 
unrelenting style, but they also have the Intel societies of the Concord and the Isaurian. And like you said, they have to do everything themselves because literally if someone walks up and is like, I just got a new smartphone and Isaurian sold it to me. And they're like, wait a second, are you on my Wi-Fi? Ah! <laughs> <laughs> that Concord society could just like the, the advanced Intel is so aggressive that they have to protect their own nanospore from that. So, so no yeah. So, so they don't have as as an advanced Intel system mm -hmm. as they are human. And, and is that something that they have actively said mm -hmm. we're not so and I I'm pulling from other other uh, IPs, so very much like Adama with Battlestar Galactica. We're not going to have a uh, network on the ship because yeah, bad things like could yeah. happen. Actually, pretty good. Uh, about, yeah, and yeah. it's because it's like, for instance, the Algorand vehicles, like the skimmer Tim was showing. Whereas a Concord or an Isaurian, those high Intel societies would most likely have a drone that is, you know, armed with a support weapon and going in to kind of protect that human element because they are benevolent AI empires. Uh, the Algorand rely more on that, that pan-human aspect. You see every vehicle they have, even if it's not modeled, um, actually has drivers, like their Bastion heavy tank, which is so beautiful. You Very actually cool. have two drivers on there. So, But, the, but it's, it's not to say that they do not have any artificial intelligence. Let's say right. tank an Algorand tank tanks a really bad hit and like the tank crew gets knocked around and like hits their head. They do have AI that can step in and kind of take over a little bit as far as autopilot, but they just, it's just like an honor bound system. And I'm sure their paranoia from the other advanced nanotechnology uh, societies that they just don't rely on it. They don't want to. Yeah, they do have the capability of doing that, though. Mm -hmm. Like they, they are technologically advanced. They just choose. Yeah, right. they have it's, it's, it's a, a, a choice. Mm -hmm. Like uh, if you pick up an Algorand mag gun, I'm sure the nanosphere that surrounds their weaponry wouldn't allow a non-prosperous or a non-Algorand pan-human to operate them. But it's not the gun will not require as much. I, I, I guess. Their mag guns as a whole wouldn't require them, uh, normally require nanosphere to operate at all, hmm. uh, so that they can actually operate on worlds which don't have a, any nanosphere. So they, they can just uh, drop drop onto some form of back, back world forested moon of a gas giant or something. And uh, just pick up, <laughs> pick up a box of bad guns which they've got, and um, fire. You know because they don't need intelligence. They don't need anything else. What they'll have is they'll plug it into their suits and they'll go from there. If you see what I mean? Excellent. Um, I've got a few. I've got a few slides here. If you want to show them, Matt, it's up to you. Sure. <laughs> Floor is yours, and for our podcasters, uh, we'll describe it as best we can. Uh, can you see it or not? I can't see. No, it. it's, it's uh, I, I see screen. It's just a black screen. I, I can't even say it's. Oh my god, it's full of stars at this point. Okay, <laughs> what I will do then is I'll try again. Sure, <laughs> do not. There is no try. Uh, uh, maybe warm ups. 
Meanwhile, says, are the Osorians and the Algrins arch enemies? Um, yeah, I I would say they're arch enemies. More Gar, right? Gar, yeah. But the fact that they oppose that high level of technology from the Intel Society means that they there we go. definitely don't want anything to do with them. Oh, that's a sweet map. That is super cool. Yeah, so as you can see on the map, I don't know if you can see my pointer, but the Algrim Prosperous is at the slight north end of the determinant, and it's it's not as dense as you can see the Isaurians who are off to the right, or to or the um, Concord who are off to the left, but it's all sorts of like patches which are made up of the member worlds and. Uh, those are cent world centers, you should say, because those worlds will have their own subordinate worlds to them in the in the determinant. So you may have you know way more than three hundred worlds, but there's three hundred worlds um, with whom the prosperous is focused. And then you'll also have the actual Algorim worlds, and you can see there should be about twelve of those red dots who are actually the the Algorim worlds themselves and they they share the centers zyra off to one side is the one that was lost to the isaurians yeah they blew uh, it up Algrim yeah, blew it up didn't they if we can't have it you're not going to have it either <laughs> yeah that's I'm probably the most the... i'm going to take my ball and go home <laughs> that's probably yeah. the most grim dark story in in Antares, really that they they so I'm assuming there were like still citizens and whatnot on the planet when they blew it up. Uh, may well have been, but there's there's loads of people who escaped and who stayed behind to try and cover everybody else's escape from the planet. And there is actually there's a there's a whole um, division who still rely on their reputation as being the last survivors of Zyra. Uh, I don't think there are now people anymore actually on Zyra. It's just a wasted planetary surface, though the Isaurians may be trying to repopulate it. But I wouldn't be surprised if it dropped off the map sooner or later. But anyway, as you can see, the, you've got this thing of the Gar coming up to the south of Algor, and they're impinging on Algor in space uh, here, there, and everywhere. And the Gar, if you look, Gar Empire looks a little bit runny in places because basically they just hop from world to world looking for one which isn't quite as advanced as any others, which they can just go down, take the pickings, take all the spoils and then destroy and leave as a wasted world behind them. Uh, and that's what the Algorin are trying to fight against, I suppose, is the best way of... Uh, the the Gar sound absolutely horrible. Oh, look at this. The political organization... Beautiful. There we go. What this is this is ultimate PowerPoint, isn't it? It's death by PowerPoint. I'm, like, <laughs> I'm, I'm so into it. This is so cool. <laughs> yeah. So you've got the Algorand High Council, um, who's basically got a primacy as the first councillor. He's not you can't consider him an emperor. That's currently uh Durrell, and he's rather being heavily torn apart by the progressives and the um traditionalists. Uh, with who are the two factors? He's it's just similar to a speaker or a chairperson rather than president, as it says up there in the box. Um, it, it, he needs a substantial majority to get there. And at the moment, the big problem is is that Foreign Durrell probably needs replacing him, but you can't get substantial majority when you've got a house that is so divided as it is in terms of the Algorand High Council. And in the Algorand High Council, you've got the key representatives from the Prosperate Council. If you see that on the left, 
Here we go. There we go. There. Um, Prosperate Council, which is on the left. And that includes memberships from all 300 worlds, including any of the alien species. And the key representatives from there are going to the High Council. And oddly, the only people who managed to get onto the High Council are, well, I don't know, Algorin. And <laughs> who would have thought? Who would have thought? So there's a fair amount of AI military and SD up there. And the main person, in of course, who's in charge of the SD is Esmerak. Boo. Boo. Yeah. Actually, so, I think I like them more. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the, the Prosperate Council govern, uh, governs uh, you know, the local governors, the Wumper World, and the local militia and the native troops. And also, theoretically, the local bureaucracy. But you've got this complex web because whilst the Prosperate Council has got a nominal authority over the Prosperate military, including the AI and generals, in actual fact, the Prosperate military will just say, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir. And then they'll wait for us to hear what the Algorithm High Council says before doing anything. And that's even more so the case of uh, Special Division in terms of Esmerak and her high-tech research and all the rest of it and then at the bottom you've got the local bureaucracy on the the worlds which is dominated really by algorin founder leisure members so if you went down to any of the local worlds the 300 worlds in the algorin prosperate you'd find that ultimately there is this extremely efficient militia uh, who at one point is just a guy behind a desk saying, no, you need form uh, B555C signed in triplicate with your mother's maiden name on it before she <laughs> got... still has a handgun, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> and the next moment he'll step out behind his desk with a handgun saying, look out behind you, bang. <laughs> like, welcome to Algren Law School. Now, first, I can't help but notice you don't have a gun, so we're going to resolve that real quick. <laughs> <laughs> now, Tim, I want to ask, so many where I asked if, if, we, if there's going to be individual many Algren mocks, like the leaders, we have two of them. It was it's Janar and Esmerak, correct? Mm -hmm. Yep, Darrell's another one, and then you've got Foray, which is another one, and then of course there was the great Moch, uh, Optimate Moch, who was thrown out, whose name you should never utter. So I'll say it: it's, it's the Marek, who are now just wumbling around the determinate as a sort of like a almost like a freeborn house, except the freeborn don't like them either. Because they're, they're snotty optimate algorithms. But the trouble is, when you get an optimate mock go out, they'll also have going out with them a lot of the mocks from the leisures below. So you'll get uh, a fair few vector mocks get thrown out and a fair few founder mocks having to go out with them because they're so closely allied to wow. that optimate mock, the, the Marek. So the Marek's pretty big, except they're now just on a few backward planets, living from ship to ship and that sort of stuff. The red-headed stepchild. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what I, I think not Jay asked then, about this earlier. Not Jay asked about this earlier. And this is a little bit about that time thing. So if you look on the left, you can look Erin system. So they all start off, say, on the third age. Um, and then the Erin system, you can see the Erin gate collapses around about the same time as the Antares collapses and then box check gate collapses all round about the same time, probably within in about a few years. Then 
Antares starts reconnecting itself as the red line in the middle. It starts reconnecting all the systems of interest to it. It's quite intelligent. It only connects interesting systems, which are typically those with living uh, people on it, living civilizations. And then if you look down here, in about Antares' year, whatever age it was, 150, it connected to Erinyal, but 1,200 years had a collapse on Erinyal. So it's Erinyal was basically 1,200 years in the future when it last had a gate, and it then finally gets a reconnection to Antares. But later, round about Antares' year 300, Antares then connects to Boxjet, but effectively it connects back to Boxjet only 50 years after the last gate collapse. Is that clear? I'm picking up what you're putting down here. But how how does the well? I guess it really doesn't matter because you're only playing during a single age. But yeah. what my thought was is how do you and, and you, uh, reconcile the technological differences due to the amount of time that has lapsed in a single system as it has been turned on and turned off. In other words, well, uh, so for instance, well, let's say w this one here, the Arnold system. Yeah. Uh, let, let's say, you know, we're, we're at zero AD where all those gates collapse. Yep. The Arnold system will have gone through 1,200 years of technology. So think of technolo technological differences between 0 AD and 1,200 AD on Earth. Yep. Where And the Boxchet system is, what, 50 years? So while yep. they're still, you know, pounding with, you know, with rocks and, and swords and, and, and whatnot, uh, the Arnold system has got gunpowder. Yeah, how how do how is that get reconciled? It's interesting because I mean, they're depending on which system it is, the technology kind of keeps going. Because sometimes when the gate reopens and you get to see, you know, where that in particular system is at, maybe it's gone into the dark ages and is back to sticks and stones. Whereas sometimes the societies can advance in technology cut a bit because correct me if I'm wrong, Tim, but sometimes, you know, these, these different societies kind of possess unique and interesting and sometimes advanced technologies for the age. Right. Ab absolutely. So it's not reconciled is the answer. It's exactly as Sergey said, it's, uh, no, sorry, that was Kevin, wasn't it? I couldn't see him. Yes, sorry. <laughs> so, okay, so I guess a, a perfect analog on, on Earth is, you know, we've got um, people, let's say, you know, somebody from the United States goes down into the deep, dark jungles of Brazil and find a tribe that, has literally never had contact with anybody outside of their 100 square kilometers. Mm -hmm. Still wearing, you know, bat cloaks that they got from those giant <laughs> down there. Bat cloaks. <laughs> um, 
and you know blow dart blow dart guns that are you know uh, are yeah. dodged up with mm-hmm. with fairy frog poison. Okay, and it's just well, that's, that's, so, that's the way and it it's is. exactly what you've. That's probably what you've got with places like Magri, for example. So somewhere in the past, uh, Magri was settled by humans. It then got disconnected, and it looks like its whole society collapsed because it didn't have the infrastructure where all the resources uh, to actually keep going, keep developing as technological society. So it's people there have become largely what Antares called feral, but they've re- mm-hmm. which actually means basically backwards. Backwards. Uh, it's a very patronizing term, really, which just means yeah. back, backwards. Backwards compared so, to the rest of us. So Mississippi in the United States and the Orkneys in uh, <laughs> In the UK, <laughs> uh, it's Norfolk in the UK. Oh, okay. I'm ever so sorry if there's anybody, <laughs> ever so sorry if there's anybody in Norfolk listening. But I'm trying to get a complex. Com- <laughs> We're going to get a bunch complex of angry letters for this one. We will, yeah. Uh, so, Bring it. so but, but basically, when things are when things are reconnected to a system, doesn't matter what age it is, it's always in the future of that system. So time progresses forward in each of the connected systems. Even though as far as Antares time goes, it could be a system is reconnected in the past of another system of another local system, if you see what I mean, mm-hmm. uh, as we've got here with Boxshet and Enron Yarl. Um, it's one of the things, What the question you asked, though, is really pertinent because that development between uh, the collapses so is, uh, is sometimes when things really happen. So I saw he was not connected for Antares for two or three thousand years when it was reconnected um the rest of antares found that firstly isori had created a real space empire because they developed a space drive that could actually get them close to about 90 90 percent of the speed of light perhaps 95 percent of the speed of light and secondly that means that they've actually established a real space empire i uh, connected to nearby stars and world by nearby, I mean within 50, 60 light years, that sort of stuff. Uh, so they've got a real space empire, and in order to manage that real space empire, they've developed the intel. Mm-hmm. So the Isauris then established the Panhuman Concord, which then broke out, and then the Isaurians real space empire got attacked by the Tsan, and then the Tsan effectively, I suppose you could say they're their intel got corrupted by the san except it was more a case of the isauri's own faults because they tried to adapt their intel to dominate the san and then you get the separation because the, the isaurian's own intel began taking over their own panhuman concord intel began spreading out which is what we've got at the moment so that's why if, if you like you've got panhuman concord with their intel who see the isaurian's intel as being just you're wrong. You're a you're a virus. Versus <laughs> <laughs> iOS on a big scale. <laughs> oh goodness me! Isn't so, it just it's just who who are quote unquote the Earthlings? Who who, who all, of all of them? They're all the Earthlings. <laughs> they all came from Earth. They're except all for the, except for the Boromites, of course. No nope. Boromites too. Boromites are also human. Okay. Yeah. 
Pretty much just, just the Virai. Yeah. So, so Algorin, Boromites, all the pan-human morphs came from humanity who all came from Earth. So Earth exploded in the first age. Earth exploded on the Antares surface. We're pretty fast breeding compared to some of the other species. We're inquisitive little buggers, and we can be actually be quite aggressive. Mm-hmm. So okay. we went out and we just exploded. So, the so we are <laughs> we are eons upon eons upon eons into the future. Yeah, here. I mean it's and just it's, not like yeah. it's yeah. just not like a couple of thousand or even ten thousand no. years. We're talking mm-hmm. millennia. millennia. We think it well. It may be as little as twenty-seven to thirty-five thousand years, but. Yeah, I mean, it's 35,000 years. So, so, you can so we're what well past June in the year 10,191. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we, we, we could be well past the 41st millennium also. Correct. If okay. need be, yes. Well, and that's why I've always loved the fluff for Antares, because it's it is, it's, it's high, high science fiction. I've always been a fan of high science fiction, like, like Dr. Who Star Trek. And so, and it's, it's, I think it's a nice evolution of the concept because instead of, you know, you go out in entire space and every species you run into is just human with a different nose or something like that. And it makes no sense. It makes perfect sense because it's just saying that it's like where we are at in the timeline, you know, you are running around and seeing human human-like and they're not aliens but they're 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 human-like you know in the sense that they all have that base genetic similarity but since so much time has passed and there's so much high technology in the form of you know like with the boromites there's genetic manipulation with the gar there's genetic manipulation those little goblin dudes at one point had five fingers and five toes even though they have t-rex feet now um and then and that's just really cool because you can have so many. Yeah, there you go, Sergey. <laughs> it's so hard to. Find yeah. It. But and so it's, it's not so going to cool. focus. It's too small. <laughs> yeah, you can have pan humans with extra eyes. You can have pan humans with chitinous, like you know, crusting on their you know bodies. You could have pan humans with multiple arms, multiple legs, avian. Like it's just the the sky's the limit because it depends on you know if if humans settled a planet and that is a high gravity world ten thousand years in the future you can come back and all of a sudden you have space dwarves <laughs> and it's just because that's just the development of it and it's and it really like even with the algorithm i mean like you have the base models now i know our audience was asking about the militia member yep. you could absolutely model a bunch of different stuff. You could model human auxiliary warriors for them. You could model alien auxiliary warriors with them. You could have, you know, exactly. Yeah. You could, you know, come, uh, come back with your reflex shield or upon it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. My talking about this, talking about Algern, I love talking to you guys, especially uh, about beyond the gates of Antares and the, and, and, just the fluff and stuff like that. It really gives me a sense like I'm having trouble. I painted the Bastion and I did a video for it, uh, for the algorithm. I painted this green scheme and then I was looking at other people's stuff and I go, oh man, no, I like this color better. Oh, I might like this color better. And some of the stuff that's being put into uh, the Facebook group right now, some of the the guy uh, who's done, doing the blue algorithm, I don't know if yeah. you see that, it looks wonderful. And right. talking about the fluff and stuff, just like my cool jazz boromites, you know, 
I'm already getting a sense of how or what I'm going to do. I'm going to repaint the Bastion. I'll probably do another video for it. But, okay. uh, you know, I think I, I think I think I know exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to I'm going to kind of Spartan Roman Roman them up. Not so much red, not so much black. And there's a cattail in Aceh's camera there. <laughs> it's a nice story in I think <laughs> listening, listening to the fluff and listening and us talking it out and things like that. I think it's important if you are building an algorithm force, which I know Justin Bruce and a lot of other guys who are. You know, gives them kind of an idea of what kind of color, you know, what kind of paint scheme, what kind of theme they want to do. And that's really what I love about Antares, Beyond the Gates of Antares, because there's so many things you can do. And it's so customizable. And the community's like, that's cool. You know, it, it, it's it's not it's not one of those things where it's, why the heck did you do that? That's not, you know, can't mm -hmm. it's it's the story. And that's what I love about it. And yeah. Uh, Algern are, are, are were the first ones I started with, you know, next to Concord and stuff like that with the strike on car nine. And I've struggled ever since to try to find the perfect paint scheme. I'm absolutely happy with, you mm -hmm. know, I've tried three, you know, I've tried right. red, I've tried a green, I've tried a blue. I didn't Bobby, my black armor so bad. <laughs> <laughs> I literally said something about it and Rick himself like commented on it and was like, never go backwards. <laughs> forwards. Now I'm like, damn it! If I repeat them, they will be cursed. <laughs> uh, Ditch here says, "I'm really torn on what color skin scheme would be the most appropriate uh, skin tone." I went with with green and blue. I went like with like two different but sort I'm so of sub races of Algorand. I love that leader. He's like, with uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He he's, really wants he's, to he's running into battle with open arms and an upside down torso because I wasn't paying attention when I modeled him. <laughs> well, boy. Well, I, I think with um, it sounds like um, with Digi's question, it doesn't matter what's most appropriate because you can do anything, literally whatever you want. There, there's no yeah, you know, yeah what. Being that you know, you know, be, being that everybody has basically, except for the the viri, um, they all have a base genetic code of you know human. You know, you you literally see millions and, and billions on Earth today of of differentiation. Mm -hmm. So you can literally. Every single race could literally have every single color. Yeah. Color yeah. combination. Yeah. That's, that's actually something that Kevin I'll, turned me on to doing yeah. a lot. I'll, is, I'll, um, I'll add to that. Sorry, go. Oh, sorry. You, you go, Tim. Yeah. Yeah. I'll <laughs> add to that. Not, not Jay, and say you're absolutely right. But what, uh, but what Antares has, which we don't have, is actually um, surface rephenotyping. So you can actually have people who. For some reason, it's the trend this year to have metallic yeah. blue skin. <laughs> <laughs> and there's no reason on, on a few worlds within the Concord yet. Yeah, let's let's everybody have handlebar mustaches. So. <laughs> if there was a ray gun that you could just shoot yourself with and give yourself handlebar mustaches, yeah, absolutely. Um, 
technology. <laughs> so, so that's the thing. So, so the studio is basically given the core colors. So it's slightly greenishy skin for the keratin-laden algorin. It's a very pale color for the pallid, uh, sun-hating gar. You've got uh, a mix of uh, colors for all the other factions whenever you actually see them. Uh, so mm. it really is, as not Jay says, you can either go with human coloring or you can even go with, oh, this world had its blue periods between <laughs> 1310, 1320. I will say as far as a, like painting technique, like uh, I always like to have variety in, in the models because literally, yeah. you know, um, it, it just adds so much. And so with my Freeborn, I had every skin tone from light to dark and when you see a unit that has that variety it's such a natural thing that yeah. the, organic, the organic aspect of, of varying the skin tone of your army is is awesome because it actually makes it look more grounded in reality and yeah you're more inclusive in the hobby which is fantastic yeah 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 absolutely <clears throat> um i think you painted some of my um you painted my Taras Calamon. Was it you who painted my Taras Calamon, Matt? Yeah, you did. He painted my Taras Calamon. And Taras looks like um, has got that Mediterranean sort of like colouring. The Boromite is um, it's just like it's one of the standard Boromite rocky colourings. I don't know if it's, it's red or grey. I can't remember what you actually did. Um, and then the woman is obviously from somewhere in Nigeria, perhaps, or Northern Africa. Mm -hmm. And they look fantastic. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it, it really does add like an element of realism. Like it, yeah. it looks weird looking at a squad and they're all like completely racially homogenous. Like it, it doesn't yeah. look real. Yeah. And it, I do that with my, my, uh, my historical figures too. Like my, that make sense for that I've got my 15 millimeter, uh, modern U S infantry. There's like four or five different shades of, of flesh tone that I'm using there because mm -hmm. well, you know, we all don't look the same. I mean, Sergey here is a pasty white. <laughs> um, yeah, if, if we're here, running at a scale, I'm all the way on one end. Kevin's got kind of a, a, a ruddy Rosie. complexion. Uh, Matt is, uh, well, he's looking jaundiced. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, Drinking pond water, a little jardy, and never hurt anybody. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> I'm out in the sun all the time. So. Yeah, you are. Yeah, so you're going to have a, a... That driver's arm. See how one's darker? Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that's just goes to, you know, but it's, it's, it's the way it is. It's, it's, it needs to be that way. Yeah, and going back to... It, yeah, it does. Sorry. Sorry. Not yeah, go ahead, Jeff. I was just saying, I was linking this in with uh, Didier's question about uh, thinking the Narn from B5. Mm -hmm. uh, in, in some ways, I think the Algorin are, are the other way round. The more, um, the more that, the more influence they have, the higher up they are in society, the more they want to demonstrate that they are the real, the true Algorin. <laughs> so it's so they're more likely to try and look like the perfect algorin coloring whereas lower down in the servile ledgers they're just going to think 
Oh, I can't be bothered today. I was, I, I caught a little bit too much sun and I've now turned purple. Uh, <laughs> oh well, I'll just go, I'll just go into, I'll just go into work anyway. <laughs> Whereas, you know, in the optimates, if they went in purple, people would be saying, you don't look very Algorin, do you, today? I can't trust you in this vote, upcoming vote, can I? So there's, there's that sort of snobbishness. There's, there's a real cultural... Um, oh, I don't know. Introversion, I suppose, is the way. That's uh, up at the higher levels because they're all trying to outdo themselves as to how ultimately Algorin they are, which is what's led to this civil... Ironically, what's led to this civil war because mm -hmm. you've got the traditionalists who are actually open to talking to people and dealing with people like the concord and yet you've got the sorry the, the progressives who are open to dealing with people like the concord but who are technologically very traditional very conservative no let's not touch any of this advanced tech whereas you've got the traditionalists who are actually highly uh, the head of the tradition of the um traditionalist is Esma Rark. She's heading up the SD, for goodness sake, the uh, Special Advanced Technology Division of uh, the Prosperate. Uh, but they do not want to deal with anyone other than Algrin. If you're not Algrin, you don't count. <laughs> Ooh, I have a question for you, Tim, as far as uh, background. So on Al Gore itself, like you said, there's like, like seasons of intense radiation that they have mm -hmm. to avoid. And as such, they have like extensive underground uh, cities and whatnot. Yeah. Does that culturally travel to the other world? Do they just like naturally like, you know, they got three levels above and they're like, well, I mean, I have obviously four levels of basement. Like, <laughs> is, that, is that a common thing? Do they have a lot of subterranean construction. They have massive amount of subterranean construction because Ooh, that's one way which they're based. But now, of course, they've got a lot of surface constructions as well, too, uh, which are well shielded uh from the sun they probably even got they've got some form of isodomes projected from the planet on certain areas so you could get the impression of going out into the open air even though the um harsh radiation of Al Gore's uh, sun is pouring down onto where you are but you're protected by these uh, isodomes nice. so yeah so it's 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 definitely loads and loads of underground uh, or subterranean dwellings, uh, but supplemented by some more modern surface dwellings as they expand and have developed over the last 1,300 years or so. So they would be quite adept at combating Gar in their subterranean cities, which uh, is an amazing concept. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting, except, of course, not all Algorins actually live underground, only the ones on Algor. The others on the other planets are just thinking... Oh, this is nice and balmy, and it's 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 only forty degrees in the shade. Isn't that nice? Uh, sorry, that's forty degrees centigrade, which is probably about one hundred and three, I think, in the shade in your money. <laughs> I was thinking that's like kind of uncomfortably cold. Two hour in, they're like, mm, it feels great outside. <laughs> yeah, perhaps one hundred and five, something like that. So it's yeah, they they um, they happily live wherever they are, um, but they just obviously don't suffer the same consequences when it, when exposed to radiation and that comes into some of the scenarios especially in um it's mentioned in drone scourge but it's mentioned a lot in crisis shard as well mm -hmm. and if you guys have a chance read the 
the background information on the algorithm and the main rule book and, and the storylines throughout the books. They're absolutely fantastic. Uh, yeah. Just agreed. There's, there's a lot of information there and then go over to the Nexus, which mm -hmm. is and check out the stuff there. Cause there's even more there. Mm -hmm. um, there's a bunch of like civil war content on the Nexus. Oh, yeah. So, mm -hmm. yeah. So it's, it's a great read. If you have some time, of course, you know, which we all oh, yeah. do. That's fantastic. <laughs> at home, you know, but, uh, I mean, I've, I, I even searched before we went on this podcast today is, is I was just looking around on the Nexus and I could not believe the amount of information that was on there about the Algren and everything uh, mm -hmm. and, and paint schemes, you know, and, oh, yeah. and yeah. Yeah. so if you're really stuck at what you want to do, I mean, have it a look, look around. Cause I always need some sort of reference material, mm -hmm. or something like that to do, uh, to paint up my stuff, you know, and, and color wise, whether they're, <laughs> whether they're the actual model itself or, or something else, you know, I always have to have um, something yeah. to look at and go, Oh, okay. I'm going to paint it like that. Yeah. But uh, I encourage you guys to go over to the Nexus, check that out and, and, and read about the algorithm if you want to know more information too. So um, do you guys have anything else? Any other questions? Uh, um, I would say after this, with the fluff of this conversation, your Bore My Army absolutely needs to have a custom terrain piece called Rocco's Tacos. It's like a jazz and taco lounge. Yes. <laughs> and like ashtrays with smoking, smoking cigarettes and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and they all hold their, they all hold their cigarettes uh, like this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I gotta write that down. Yeah. Rocco's tacos. Yeah. It's obvious it's, it's it's the third gate past the, you know, the determinant, you know, on the left. You, you can't miss it. Great. You can't miss it. <laughs> Rocco's tacos. You bet. Like a, it's like a real, real uh, you know, um anxious kind of gathering because you know everybody wants to partake. So you know, you got the <laughs> nice greens at the table, you know. Using proboscis. <laughs> now, what, this is where we have to go. Doop, 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 doop. <laughs> Wait, uh, we don't we don't own the rights to that song. Yeah. <laughs> no. Quick question. Quick question. Um, do the do all of the different factions, being that they are based on humanity. Do they all see light in the same way, or are they color shifted one way or the uh, other? Depends on the individuals. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, the San have got a very strong pheromonal. Uh, the, those are the eight-legged Isaurians. They've got a very strong pheromonal sense. Um, the uh, the Hantale have got a third eye, which is deliberately being engineered to be sensitive to multiple spectrums. What's wrong uh, with that third I, eye? <laughs> yeah, that's the third eye, absolutely. And um, so, if you poke it, would they be third eye blind? Oh, Right, Digit's just asked us those diagrams, charts on the Nexus, and the answer is no, and I shouldn't really have shown them probably because they are at version two um, previews. Dun, dun, so, yeah, dun, dun. Scandal on the podcast. There's a, 
terrible, but I'm not. I'm not working. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what would you say, Kevin? I said there's a sweet. Uh, I'm pretty sure Tim created it. It's that the printable globe. Oh, it's super cool. Now, yeah, I don't use super glue on regular paper. I basically glued myself to everything that day, but it's super cool. <laughs> okay, yeah, we're, we're gonna swing around back to super glue and paper. But uh, <laughs> do we know who built Antares? The gate builders. Okay, no, we don't know much about. Ah. <laughs> that's that's it. Um, that's all, right. all we really know about them, apart from that they, they so have got... kind of like in Star Trek, the progenitors. That, yeah. That's why everybody looks the same, but with, you know, turtle strapped to their foreheads. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, except, of course, the, uh, the differences in Antares, that we know that there were races who were round Antares before humans turned up. I mean, it could be that the Vol... Who we haven't yet seen. They could have been around before humans uh, turned up, but there are other races, spaceborne uh, races, mm -hmm. who were uh, and are still wandering around in Tauris at the moment in space, but who just think, what, seventh age? What do you mean? No, it's the 15th. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's, um, so it's okay, going so it's on for a seventh age by human reckoning. Oh, mm -hmm. yeah. But of course, humans being humans, everything oh, yeah. just counts for them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, humans being humans, like Americans being Americans, they're like, history didn't exist before 1776. <laughs> <laughs> and the Patriot was historically accurate. Yes. Oh. Are you telling yes. me right. Mel Gibson isn't a historian? <laughs> <laughs> Have you not watched any of our shows? <laughs> That's a little bit of an inside joke. We had a uh, long with that note. Uh, <laughs> our conversation about the uh, historical accuracies of the Patriot. So, uh, <laughs> well, can fire two or three times before reloading. I'm almost positive. Yes. <laughs> yes. But the aim small, miss small is a real thing, by the way. That is a real thing. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And he had several muskets that cost several several hundred dollars back then in his house. And that was back then. So anyway. So uh Algren, right? <laughs> I think uh, many more months says stay on track, guys. Come on. I don't on think there's a track for us to stay on. I mean, no, he, he, he's referring to last night. Oh, yes. We're not going to even go there. To, this is the entire show, mm -hmm. and sometimes we have highlighted subjects. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to the mustachio. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I wish I could grow one. I can't. Right. Anyway, so moving on. Yeah, I think that um, we could. Uh, we beat death to death. Yeah, we could. Yeah. There's loads more, but there's. Um, oh, yes. There's the, the, always the, next time. Yeah. Starts. There's always next time, and um, yeah. all I can say is summary. Algrin definitely war gamers, mm. army. Uh, definitely one of the more interesting factions, um, and if you want to want to. Uh, just have fun. Just go and have an Algorin army and just see what happens when people uh, see you turn up with uh, five mech cannons. <laughs> so, so just real quickly, the strike on Kara 9, 
box set. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Algren and whom? Yeah. Concord. 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 Okay. It's a good box set. Heavily now, recommend did, for did the value. All, did, before I showed up, did y'all already do a Concord show? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I believe that was so. the, I think that was the first one we did, right? That was the very first one, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. May have to swing around and do a part two. <laughs> you know what? I, I can't remember so what we got. Questions. What's that? I, I, I hadn't talked much <laughs> the <this> show because <laughs> I was li- more listening and soaking this in. Um, Algren is the is like I was saying is like one of my first interests. And every time my son beats me with one of my other armies I play, like Concord and uh, 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 Bormites and things like that, I'll go to Algren and beat him with them. That's <laughs> really how it works. It's weird. But um, it, it, that is the way it works. The, like like Tim said, they were so they're so versatile, and they have an answer for absolutely everything. And I mean, I have skimmers, Avengers. I have a couple of Avengers. I have another one over there I haven't built yet. And I, I just I, I just overall I, I I enjoy the algorithm. My three armies that I play, me and my son split up the factions. Uh, the ones I play are Algren, Concord, and Boromites. He plays the Viri. What does he play? He plays the Viri, the Isaurians, and the Gar. Course, yeah, Gar. and I play Rebel Gar and he plays the uh Freeborn now, so that's what that's how we divide it up. But anyway, what factions have we not talked about yet? Gar, um, technically, yeah, Isaurians, <laughs> right? I think we, I don't think we have not done Isaurians, I don't think. Have we done Isaurians? I don't believe we have, I don't think so. I, let me look. <laughs> Fifel goes beyond the gates of Antares. Yeah, sorry, couldn't resist. Good job, Mini Warmut. That was from last night. This kid. I swear. Uh, uh, I had to mute myself because I was. Yeah, you were laughing. <laughs> so we have done the Gar. Empire. Have- Gar Empire, not the Gar Rebels Gar or Mites. whatever. Or Gar Exiles. Yep. We did the Concord, uh, was episode two. So first. Then we did a Freeborn, then we did a Boromites, then we did the Gar, and we done Algren. So Isaurians has to be done. What do you yep. say we do that next time? I'm down with yeah. that. I love San Kiri. Uh, and oh, hey, he says Isaurian haven't had an episode yet. Uh, Morzimus. Morzimus. That's right. I can't pronounce things like that. Anyway, <laughs> so Isaurians next time. Yes, I can't wait to talk about my sniper. <laughs> um, my love, Lady Luck. That's one of the. It's a very cool model. Yes, and I did paint her up, so she is painted. She has her lady luck decal on her and everything. So nice. <laughs> very excited to hear about the Isaurians and all their shenanigans that they get into. Uh, more of an elite army, if I uh, could say so myself. Uh, I, I feel like they're more of a finesse army. But uh, we'll get yeah. that. Uh, well, thanks, Tim, for sharing everything, man. I really appreciate it. Uh, thank you, Tabletop Warlords, Sergey and Kevin, and Nache, of course. Thanks, man. Uh, <laughs> we learned a lot about the Nexus today, and I think Nache is caught up with the rest of us now. No, no, no more. But hey, that's why you got me here. Not yeah, yeah, absolutely right now with the lady considering all of the different equations. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, thank you guys once again. And thank you everybody who uh, commented. Mini Warmont, of course, Jason Hall. Uh, Dig H. Dig H. Yep. Someone else was there not? Uh, uh, Morris. 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 
and we have had 11 viewers the whole entire time. And I thank you guys who have not commented. That's really great. You're showing us the support for Antares. Please go to the Nexus and check that out. Please show your support for the game. It is a wonderful game, small level, large level. It doesn't matter. It is a fun game, and it's, there's so much story, and that's one of the re big reasons why I'm doing this is because I want the stories and the fluff to be out there so you guys have a source. You can go, okay, Algren, boom, Conqueror, okay, awesome, and this is this is what it is. We really, really get, uh, hope you guys will support the game itself. It's a lot of fun to play, not, just, uh, not only to talk about, but to play as well. And Tim and and Rick, you guys have done a wonderful job with the game, and we appreciate it. And uh, I can point that out. So, so again, thank you so much. And thank I swear, next time, that's all I've got. You guys got anything else? Rocco's tacos. Nope. Rocco's tacos. Rocco's tacos. <laughs> that, that's got to be a thing, man. It's gonna be. I wrote it down. Rocco's for dinner tonight. I've said the word too many times. Rocco's right there. It's going <laughs> on my on my dream board. I have a dream board with cards. Antares dream board. That's we right. Well, I have Antares. I have ancients. I have <laughs> fantasy. Just terrain pieces I want to create. But anyway, oh, that's that's all I got, guys. So thank you so much. Last but not least, from me to you. Ta-ta, and we'll catch you in episode seven, Isaurians.